It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Prepare for glory! I don't know if you got your popcorn ready. If you got your popcorn ready. I came out the wall wide already. And he's hit the end zone for an unbelievable touchdown. I would be honored if you played football for this team. Throw it up above his head. They can't jump the me. Golly. Only they tackle him at the point of Who can make a play? I can. Who can make a play? I can. What's going on, guys? Welcome to another episode of the Fantasy Roundtable Podcast brought to you by the Pulse Podcasting Network. It's Matt. I'm back at it on Tuesday, January 26th for another episode. Uh, glad to be here. Glad to be back at it. Was uh, supposed to be on here yesterday, obviously, with Dennis. Had some family stuff come up, so I uh, had to push that back till Thursday. He will be on with me Thursday. Looking forward to that episode. As we will be diving into all things prospects yet again, talking about uh, the Reese's Senior Bowl, all the news coming out of there, obviously. Uh, we'll kind of break down the senior game as well as talking about our very early top 10 running 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 back rookies that are coming out into this uh, into this 2019 draft. Uh, looking forward to it, much like we did with the QBs on uh, last Thursday's episode. For today's episode, I'm going to break down what we saw in Championship Weekend. Two very good games, two overtime games. Uh, it was awesome to see after coming off the uh, craptastic division round games that we had, uh, to see two good games. Obviously, uh, kind of mired in some controversy here in both games with some referee calls and everything, and, and I'll address that as well with the, with the referees and what happened in the games and give you, guys, um, give you guys my opinion on whether or not those changed the games. I will also be talking with Dennis about those a little bit on Thursday. I want to get his opinion on them as well, let you guys hear what he has to say on the games as well before jumping in the prospects. Again, I apologize. I, I wanted to do all this yesterday with him, uh, but just had some family stuff come up, and uh, as I've talked about before, and I'll continue you to say family first guys uh, family always comes first uh, as much as I love doing the podcast and writing and everything uh, when it comes to my wife and kids they they come above everybody and so I had to take care of that first uh, before I could do that today and uh, he has family stuff as well that he does on Tuesdays that doesn't allow him to join me on Tuesdays so uh, but we will definitely get back at it on Mondays and Thursdays again starting next week and again as, like I said earlier I have him on Thursday and I'm excited to talk about uh, all things prospects with him then. Before we get into breaking down the championship games, I want to uh, announce a couple things real quick. A couple quick changes, I guess, for for me and the podcast uh, as well. Uh, for starters, I want to congratulate at Chris Miles ten seventeen and at 
Danny one time. They were the uh, winners of our first contest there. They've already, uh, well, one of them has picked out their 500 uh, level gear and it has already been taken care of and shipped to waiting on some, uh, on what the other gentleman wants. Uh, excited to do that though again for the loyal listeners of the podcast and we will be doing it again here um, in about two more weeks. Give me about two more weeks and we will get up another contest set up for that. I'm running another promo now as well. Um, if you've been following me on Twitter, you've seen that uh, I partnered with the Fantasy Football Outfitters, uh, and we do have two shirts, Series 1 and Series 2. Series 1 uh, being the logo that we have for the podcast, uh, one that I'm very fond of. Uh, I like a lot. Uh, very um, very big deal for me. I loved getting this logo. Obviously, the Baker Mayfield jersey, a little bit of a top-off for it, uh, for me, but I love the logo. Um, we have a shirt with that, and we also have one with the mic and our name on there. Um, again, we we partnered with Fantasy Football Outfitters to get this done. They are on Amazon. Go check them out. They're very cheap, easy to get, um, and it obviously supports the podcast, so I truly appreciate it if you guys do go get one. I am running a promotion on that as well. So, for that, the promo, very easy. All you have to do is either comment on this thread that I'm going to post on Twitter for the podcast here, probably in the next hour or so, um, or you can DM me the special code, which I will give you after the two uh, two games have been recapped. I will give you the promo code. I uh, will pick a random person out of that uh, on Friday. I'm going to give a couple people, you know, give you about a couple days to listen to the podcast, download, listen. Um, once uh, enough, not I even should say enough people, by about... 1 p.m. Central Time Friday, I will put everybody's names into a nice little mixer thing, and I will randomly pick out a name to get a free shirt, your choice, Series 1 or Series 2. I'm excited about that as well, so make sure you listen, or if you guys don't want to listen, fast forward. Um, I'm not exactly sure how far yet because I haven't recorded that part of the podcast. Um, But, you know, fast forward until you get to... The Chiefs-Patriots game, I guess, and then uh, listen till after that, and that's where the code will be. Again, you can plug that uh, in there on this uh, message thread, or you can DM me on Twitter with the code to get yourself a free fantasy football t-shirt. Last but not least, the last little announcement I want to make here, uh, and I'm very excited about this as well. I am moving my writing. I am going to now be joining the Back Row Fantasy Show. Uh, Huge fan of their podcast. I've been listening to them for a little over a year now. Um, been just huge fans of theirs ever since. Been on their podcast a couple times. Uh, really enjoy those guys. Like I said, uh, shout out to Bark a couple weeks ago or a week ago on getting me all set up with all my stuff for the podcast and everything. They've been awesome. Love interacting with them on Twitter. Um, I decided that I wanted to move my rookie writings and everything to them because I trust them and I like them. Uh, I've got a lot of different stuff going on with the other sites. I didn't like some of the the creativity stuff that they would put necessarily on my writings. Um, and uh, I could only write at certain times and about certain things. With the Back Row Show, uh, they are going to let me write about whatever I want whenever I want uh, and I am extremely excited about that Uh, so my first article will be going live with them this weekend I'm working on it Uh, been working on it the past couple days uh, before I even knew where I was going to be going Um, and once that got figured out and fleshed out uh, for sure getting with them uh, I'm going to finish that article up in the next couple days and make sure that we get that up so check that out from now on all of my rookie rankings prospect reports everything will be coming out Thanks to the Back Row Fantasy Show, and I could not be happier to be with them. Postgame show is brought to you by... Christ, I can't find it. The hell with it.
So for the first game we had in Championship Weekend was the NFC Championship matchup between the Los Angeles Rams and the New Orleans Saints. And man, was this game, in my opinion, kind of all over the place. So it started out with the Saints getting a pickoff um, with a a ball off Gurley's hand and everything. They they looked like they could have easily salted this game away, yet the Rams were able to limit them to just six points there. Uh, ended up getting back to a 13-10 game at halftime, which I thought was huge for the Rams. So again, it was, you know, Saints got up 13 in the first quarter. Rams were able to make it 10 10-13 going into halftime, which I thought was huge with the way the Rams had played because they were getting thoroughly dominated in that first half. But being able to get it to where they were just down three points at halftime I thought was huge. It was going to help them out in the end, end of the game, and it did. So for the players, obviously, Jared Goff, a very good game. 297 touchdown interception. C.J. Anderson, we talked about it on uh, Thursday's podcast, and I talked about it on Saturday as well, that I did not think he would have a very good game. Uh, he didn't. Just 44 yards rushing. Uh, just five yards in the receiving game. Todd Gurley struggled big time in this. A lot of talk about him not being fully healthy yet, uh, which I could believe a little bit. He was uh, definitely kind of stretching a lot, moving around, getting on the bike while he was on the sideline. Did not play a lot in this game. Just 10 yards on four carries. Um, does get uh, three yards in the receiving game and then obviously got the touchdown as well uh, in the rushing attack. But still, just not, not looking fully healthy. Not looking like the Todd Gurley we've seen pretty much all season long. Um, for the wide receivers, uh, I thought that this would be more of a Robert Woods game. I did talk about how I thought Brandon Cooks might have to be uh, the benefactor here, and he was. He came up big against one of his old teams, 107 yards on seven receptions. Uh, again, Robert Woods, who I thought would have the really big day here, just 33 yards on six catches. Did get targeted the most out of everybody, though, with 10 targets. For the Saints side, it was much of the same thing. Drew Brees, 249 as well, with two touchdowns, one interception. Mark Ingram, who I thought would uh, possibly have a good day here on the ground, struggled. Nine carries for 31 yards. Alvin Kamara, 15 yards on eight carries, but does get 96 yards on 11 receptions. Mark Ingram, just six yards on two receptions. And then none of the wide receivers really did anything here. So me and uh, Dennis both talked about how we thought Ted Ginn would have to come up big uh, for Michael Thomas here, especially if they decided to shut Michael Thomas down. Uh, he does end up with those second most receiving yards behind Alvin Kamara with 58 on three, uh, but just doesn't have a particularly big game here. Neither does Michael Thomas, which is 36 yards on four receptions. Again, uh, the Saints were thoroughly dominant in this game, especially behind that defense. That defense and the, really the crowd noise uh, really limited the Rams here in the first half. Uh, they ended up having to tape up their ear holes just to be able to try and hear what was going on in the headsets. It was a true home field advantage for them. But what everybody wants to talk about is the non-call pass interference uh, with about little less than two minutes left in the game. Tommy Lee Lewis go out on, goes out on a wheel route. Mikel Roby Coleman hits him a good few seconds before the ball gets to him. I mean, the ball is probably a good three or four ball, four yards away. Uh, Coleman hits him, knocks him down, uh, and they do not call flag or do not call pass interference or throw a flag. It was an obvious pass interference uh, call for me. Obviously, most of, well, the world thinks the same thing with the way that everybody has been at, reacting and talking about how the the Saints got screwed. And in all honesty, I do kind of agree with them. Uh, a lot of people talking about uh, how the Rams, not the Rams, the Saints could have closed it out. 
I'm really torn on this because I do kind of agree with them in the fact that the Saints did have other opportunities to close the game out. They could have stopped the Rams from driving down the field and giving Greg DeLeg a 47-yard uh, attempt to tie the game, which he did. Drew Brees could have not thrown that interception there in overtime and allowed Greg Zerline to kick a 57-yard field goal, field goal that looked like it had been good from like 60 to 70 yards. That being said, I agree with the fact that the game is probably over if they make that call. That gives them a first and 10 on the five-yard line. They kneel the ball three times, kick the field goal. You're leaving the Rams with likely about 30 seconds left to actually have to go down the field and score a touchdown to win the game. I don't think that they're able to do that, especially with the way that that offense had been playing most of the game. They did kind of pick up in the second half, uh, but they did not look good the entire first half. That Saints defense uh, was definitely looking really good, especially early on, and they still did a fairly good job throughout the second half. Obviously not quite as good as the first half where they were uh, limited them to 10 points, uh, and they really shut them out entirely in uh, the first half. All that being said, the Saints were very good early on in making and forcing three and three and outs on the Rams' offense, multiple drives in the first half, and yet they weren't able to capitalize on it. Again, I talked about earlier, the very beginning, the interception, I believe it was on like the second drive of the game, so the Patriots go down, score, or they kick a field goal, put it up 3 nothing, and then on the next drive, Jared Goff throws the ball to Todd Gurley. He tips it in the air, it's intercepted, it goes through his hands, more likely, and um, is intercepted. And yet they don't score. They can only kick a field goal. If they're able to put two touchdowns up right there, I do think that the game is pretty much over. It's out of reach. All it really takes, obviously, with the score line the way it was, 26-23, they score a touchdown to either one of those possessions, and the game is likely over. And I would contend uh, that they had a chance to put it away and didn't. I, st- I do understand a lot of Saints fans, though, being truly upset with that call because it was a horrible call, one of the worst that I've ever seen. Um, and, you know, obviously now there is a lot of talk about them possibly uh, replaying those now if, if a coach wants to challenge a defensive pass interference call or something like that. I don't know if that will actually happen. We'll see in the offseason. Apparently Sean Payton is on the commission uh, on the competition committee, so he might kind of push that uh, conversation that way in trying to get this uh, done for. I know apparently Bill Belichick has been a strong proponent of this for years now and being able to – throw the challenge flag on certain penalties that they do not agree with or do not think was actually a penalty. So with that happening, though, again, the Rams are able to move on and they make it to the Super Bowl, a team that really kind of went all in on the Super Bowl. The start of this uh, offseason with the trades they made and some of the free agent moves they picked up in Dominican Sue, who was awesome in that game. Obviously, they paid Aaron Donald, another guy who was awesome in that game. Uh, a lot of his stats may not show up on the stat sheet, but he was in the backfield an awful lot, causing all kinds of havoc and chaos for Drew Brees. Was a huge factor in that game, especially in the first half, even though, like I said, the stats don't show it. If you just go back and watch the tape, you'll see he is back there causing all kinds of chaos on almost every play, shedding blocks, getting back there. I know uh, I saw a stat earlier today that he uh, he's able to get through double teams in like .4 seconds or 4 seconds, something like that, and the next closest person is Jadavion Clowney, and he's at like 5 or 6. Like, it's ridiculous how good Aaron Donald is, uh, and he showed it in that game, obviously. But again, Marcus Peters, Aqib Tlaib, all these guys played big games in a big moment to help push the Rams into the Super Bowl in Atlanta. In the AFC Championship game, we had the 
Um, the, I was going to call them the Tom Brady Patriots, my goodness, although that's probably an apt comparison or apt, uh, apt take there. Uh, the New England Patriots went up against the Kansas City Chiefs, and they won 37-31 to in overtime as well. For the player performances here, obviously Tom Brady, a great game, 348, one touchdown, does have the two interceptions, should have been three. Sony Michelle, I was wrong on him. I thought he'd get about 20 carries and 100 yards. He got nine more carries and 13 extra yards and two touchdowns again, uh, which was interesting because I said I thought he'd score, but I wouldn't see him get multiple touchdowns. I said he wouldn't get a three-touchdown game. Well, he almost got there. Uh, again, 29 carries, 113 yards for two touchdowns. Rex Burkhead showed up in here and really kind of killed James White, who I thought might have a good game. Uh, Burkhead, 41 yards on 12 carries and two touchdowns. James White, I was fairly close. I thought he'd only get three carries for 20 yards. He got six for 23. In the receiving game, though, Rob Gronkowski bounced back to remind us all what he could do. 79 yards on six catches, um, a bunch of huge plays in the fourth quarter and overtime to help get the Pats to win. Julian Edelman was practically unguardable in this one at times. 96 yards on seven catches. And again, Edelman was just getting open on plays where they needed it most. Third and plus, you know, third and eight, third nine, third ten. Third and 10, 11, 12, whatever it was, Julian Edelman was getting open and Tom Brady was hitting him. It was a little bit ridiculous, especially in that fourth quarter and overtime, the fact that they were letting Julian Edelman get as open as he was. Um, and I have a theory behind why he was, though. Uh, James White, uh, 49 yards on four catches. Chris Hogan, 45 yards on five catches. Uh, and two really great grabs in this one, again, to help the Patriots get the win. For the Chiefs, Patrick Mahomes, 295 and three touchdowns. Damian Williams had a huge day again. 30 yards on 10 carries with one touchdown. Adds 66 yards on five catches for two touchdowns. We saw Sammy Watkins prove again that he is still alive for fantasy. It's alive! 114 yards on four catches. Uh, again, I would still recommend selling him if you have him because I can't imagine his stock is going to rise much more than it is right now. Uh, but Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey were completely shut down in this one. Tyreek Hill, 42 yards on one catch. Travis Kelsey, just 23 yards on three catches, did get you a touchdown, though. So for the Chiefs side, the losing side here, um, it was interesting to see... How well Bill Belichick in this defense was able to shut them down. So we talked about on Thursday, we both had picked, obviously, the Chiefs to win the game. I just thought with the way that their offense had been, uh, I, I really just thought that they'd be able to pull it out. And they almost did. Maybe if they had gotten uh, the ball in overtime, a lot of talk, obviously, about changing the overtime rules now as well. They could have gone down the field and scored. Uh, but really, I think what changed the game was the first half. Much like their first meeting, the pay the Chiefs were for the most part shut out. I believe in the first meeting they kicked a couple field goals in the first quarter or in the first half, uh, but weren't able to do much more till the second half. Then they came out slinging and were able to get up on the Patriots, and that's why it turned into that 43-41 game. In this one, they were completely shut out in the first half. They did not put up any points until the third quarter when they drove down the field and put up seven. And at that point, Patrick Mahomes scored 31 points on 30 plays. A little bit ridiculous how high-powered that offense was and how much it got going. But obviously, 
being shut out in the first half and not doing anything cost them in this one. Um, I do think that some of it, I don't want to say was nerves, but maybe Patrick Mahomes was just so hyped up being in that situation. You could see him overthrowing players, still making a couple bad plays. And I think a lot of that was the fact that the Patriots were doing a good job of getting pressure up the middle on him. They talked about it some on the broadcast as well. If you watched, they would get some pressure up the middle and then they would have those linebackers just waiting right there on the side, ready for him to flush out so that they could go attack him and force him to throw the ball earlier than he wanted to. That worked magic. I mean, it was not even magically. It worked amazingly. Uh, they were able to obviously shut down Patrick Mahomes for the most part, especially the whole first half. Uh, then he, again, did kind of come out and turn it on in the second half. But putting a safety over the top on Tyreek Hill really kind of slowed him down in this one. Again, really surprising the past two times he has been able to just rip up the Patriots and their secondary, shut down to just one catch of 42 yards here. Probably very disappointing for a lot of Chiefs fans who were hoping that he would help lead them to the promised land. Of course, much like the first game, there was a lot of questions being asked about the referees in this one with multiple bad calls. So for starters, the Julian Edelman overturned touch on the fumble. I'm on the punt. I don't think that it actually touched him. All the camera angles I saw that kept showing over and over again. It looked like he just it just barely missed him in every replay that they showed. So I don't see why people had an issue with that getting turned over of course then right after that Brady ends up throwing an interception anyways uh, but I did not think that that was that controversial controversial or that big of a deal I did think that the ball missed him he had just barely gotten out of the way the pass or not the pass interference the quarterback um, roughing call was ridiculous no doubt about it so Chris Jones goes and throws his hand down, looking like he's trying to knock the ball out of Brady's hand. Uh, looks like he almost hits Brady in the face, but he misses and hits him in the shoulder pad. The referee throws a flag for pass. Um, God, I keep wanting to say pass interference for roughing the, the quarterback, um, which at the time would have given the Patriots, that was their third and 10 play, he missed the ball because of Chris Jones hitting him right there in the shoulder pad. It would have been a fourth and 10. Chances are the Patriots are going out there, punting the ball, giving the Chiefs back with a, obviously more time, but allowing them to possibly score and again, continue to put this game out of reach. Instead, they get a brand new down, uh, end up driving down the field, and I believe that's the one that Sony Michelle runs in the touchdown on fourth down. It was definitely a huge play, and I can understand why Chiefs fans may be mad about that, saying that that might have cost them a win, uh, because it is somewhat probable to argue that. However, in my opinion, the real reason that the Patriots or the Patriots won and the Chiefs lost is because of D Ford, and I love D Ford. He is an amazing defensive player, but he was lined up a good three to four feet offsides. It was ridiculous. His entire head, and it looked like almost part of his neck and chest were over the line. Uh, I've heard nothing but defensive linemen talk about it all the time, that you see where you can get your hand, you put it, you get as close to that line as possible, and then you make sure you keep the rest of your body behind it to keep from being lined up in the neutral zone. He didn't do it. Had he just been on side, Brady throws that interception, the ball that tips off Gronk's fingers, and the game is over. At that point, uh, I believe there was like a little over a minute left. They're going to be able to run the clock down, possibly kick a field goal, and then pretty much force the Patriots to do what they did and score a touchdown to win the game. Um, obviously, they would have had a lot less time and probably wouldn't have been able to run the ball as well as they did. Speaking of running the ball, I do think that that is where Andy Reid really messed up in the coaching. So we talked about it on Thursday. I said that the way he gets so involved in the offensive game planning and everything, he's not always paying attention 
to the clock and timing uh, and time management, and that has really cost him. I think that part of that cost him again in this one. So they challenged the call where Sammy Watkins made a one-hand catch. Uh, some people are saying that he didn't catch it again. Based on everything I've seen and the rules that they have talked about in the NFL nowadays, that's a catch, in my opinion. Um, I don't. You can't blame Andy Reid for that, though, because someone obviously you know, videoed down to him or got on the walkie-talkie with him or in the headset and was like, hey, that's not a catch, challenge it. And he's going to trust those guys. That's why he put them there. Had they not done that, though, I do think the Chiefs have a really good shot at winning that game because then you get down uh, to where they were, I think, on like the 30-yard line. It was 16 seconds left, and you still have a timeout at that point. You can make a couple plays into the end zone before you have to end up kicking that field goal to tie it. Um, I also do not think that Andy Reid should have used the timeout that he did when they were on that drive. So after his first pass, uh, pass, Patrick Mahomes and the team were running up the line to clock it. I would have let him clock it and save the timeout. I do think that you would have been able to then again use it later on. Uh, they probably There's no way of knowing if they still would have gotten the Patriots to jump off sides like they did on the next play. But even if they weren't, you already clocked it. Uh, you have time to run a couple plays. He obviously then throws a huge play to Demarcus Robinson. On that same play, I still think that he's able to make enough plays to possibly give him chance, give himself a chance to get into the end zone and win that game. And even if they didn't have the timeouts from before, they still have that one timeout instead of using it to kind of get yourself uh, get yourself ready and, and talk a play over and everything where I think they should have just gone with the no-huddle offense because uh, it has worked for them pretty, pretty well in the past. I'll tell you what else drives me crazy about what Andy Reid did in this game was when they got to overtime and the Patriots started driving down the field. If you just go back and look at it, you can tell that at times the Chiefs players were just gassed on defense. They had been out there for a full game. Now they're having having to go back out there. They haven't done a very good job of stopping the run. And now they're trying to stop Sony Michelle, Rex Burkhead, and Tom Brady again. If I were Andy Reid and that coaching staff, I would have called a timeout when they passed the 50 and then probably when they passed the 30 and or got into the red zone just to kind of hype your guys up and remind them they need to get a stop here so that you guys can keep playing. Uh, They didn't. They just kind of let everything go. Patriots end up driving down the field and scoring. Now, maybe the timeout does nothing, but I still think you've got to give your defensive players a chance to rest for a minute there going up against that offense. They didn't get that chance. I thought that was the biggest mistake by Andy Reid. Uh, I am sad to see Andy Reid go as in in the playoffs. Uh, I really wanted him to get a shot to win it again. I think he is an elite coach. Uh, I just think he doesn't get enough love because he has not won a Super Bowl yet. I don't know about the QB whisperer thing. That a lot of people say about him, I guess we will see in the offseason depending on who they hire or who who they bring as a free agent or who they draft. Uh, so that is it, guys. Uh, short podcast today, not much going on. Like I said, I'll be back on Thursday. I will be talking with Dennis Bennett. We will be going over all the news that has come out of the Reese's Senior Bowl. Uh, we will also be going over our top 10 rookie running backs. I cannot wait to go over them. Thank you guys so much. Oh, promo code. I almost forgot. The promo code for today is going to be FFR, short for Fantasy Football Roundtable. Again, you guys can post that here. 
in the comments when I post this up on Twitter, or you can DM me, uh, and I will choose a winner randomly on Friday. Again, guys, thank you so much for listening. Hopefully, uh, you guys uh, have enjoyed this. Can't wait to start putting out riding content on the Back Row Fantasy Show as well. And then again, just stay tuned as we will be doing some more giveaways here in the next couple weeks as well. Uh, I will, again, I'll be back on Thursday with Dennis, guys. Have yourselves a great couple days, and I'll talk to you then. Peace. Prepare for glory! I don't know if you got your popcorn ready. Do you got your popcorn ready? I came out the wrong line already. And he's in the end zone for an unbelievable touchdown. I would be honored if you played football for this team. Throw it up above his head. They can't jump with me. Golly! Over the tackle of the 40-yard line. Who can make a play? I can. Who can make a play? I can.